What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 47 of the podcast, and we are very happy you were able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to break down what they learned from the game, mistakes they made, how they plan to learn and move forward from those games. How often have you blamed the game on bad dice? We have all done it. I have done it. The ghost of Brad Chester has done it. Everyone have their Kenny Rogers albums turned on loud? Islands in the stream? We are going down memory lane. Chester is here, and we are bringing in another living legend to join us. We are headed to the battle to end Alzheimer's, and we are talking about a very, very off-the-wall mechtal list. Now, this is part one of the episode. So, in this part, we'll be analyzing the game, discussing common mistakes, we're going to talk about the mission, the secondaries, and the target priority. Join us for part two, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. And we will be talking all about how your list plays in the list, how their list plays in your list, how it plays into every list in the meta, known demand. We're going to talk about list adjustments, strategy adjustments, and don't forget the elite player mindset. Now, my guest did it. My co-host today. Let me start there. He is a gambler when it comes to 40K. Demoted. (laughs) He knows when to fold them. Now, this podcast may not be every day, but we've got tonight to record. These are all stuck in my head now. I hate (laughs) (laughs) He's the winner of the 2021 Michigan GT, nine-time member of Team USA. He's won Adepticon times infinity most recently this year. He has three top eight LBO finishes. He's the Armed Forces GG champion in 2021. He won ACO last year. He was the U.S. NOLA GW runner-up last year. He is still, to this day, the Prime Minister of Canada because he won studs and snotlings. And he most recently won Adepticon teams. We're just going to put that past us. Mr. Brad Chester. Huh? Yeah. I was. I thought I was going to have some competition from this one guy, but then, well, it didn't happen. Ah, uh, well, I... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It, uh, I don't know. I just I lost. That's all there is to it. It um, I failed. Failure. I, I like from from your intro today. I'm super excited that you basically just ensnared Ganyo in my old man wake and yeah. just said he's another old guy. And I he's love everything about that now. I might be older than Ganyo, but his uh, his play, his legend, his living legend status is is old. He's got he's got an old legendary status. You know, like. Old man, like been playing forever, won a million things. So let me, let me just get to his intro. I mean, I, let's let's not beat around the bush here. Might as well. Our guest has won an absolute mountain of events. He spent the decade that I was out of the game, absolutely dominating the 40k world. In singles alone, he had nine best overalls. He had eleven tournament championships. He won Battle Master at Nova twice. He has two best paintings. He's a Renaissance man. He has four best sports. I mean, how can you be more rounded than that? He was on the ETC 40K Champions 2018, Adepticon Team Champions in 2012 and 2013, the BFS Team Tournament Champions in 2019. He won Best in Faction for Tau in 2016, Beth Death, Beth, Best Death Just making Watch stuff up now. in 2018. That's a, hard, that's a tongue twister. Beth 
Best death watch. You can't sell him short. He was a previous captain of Team America. Oh, I forgot right. to say that. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't give me that. But he's a previous captain. He's, of America. he's, 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 he's just captain selling America. himself short. He's he's lowballing. He's low underselling. Daniel, I love everything about it. He's Brad. Oh, looking at the I, need to, I need to sandbag this a bit. I'm, I'm past my prime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's Brad. Twenty years ago, staring in a mirror of himself, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Andrew Daniel. Oh, <laughs> he takes so much offense to that. <laughs> My future is dark. Dark. In the grim, dark future of Brad Chester. There's only Brad. <laughs> There's only Brad. Just Brad. Oh, man. So, what's up, Gano? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing really Magical. well, man. I love the fact that you tried to make Tao somehow the underdog, even though you're <laughs> still going to be the most hated man around. Yeah. I try to, you know, just really steal victory from the jaws of defeat, you know. Just, uh, I text Brad. I, uh, I text Brad on Sunday. I said, Brad, what are we going to do? We've got to get a guest. It's all Harlequins. It's all Tau. I don't want to talk about either of those things. So I was like, hold on. Hold my beer. <laughs> Look at this Ganyo <laughs> list. This is a pretty weird list. I'm very excited to talk about it. So it's a pretty hey, army, also, the, by the way. One of the most fun things that I did was. You know, I was looking at the list, and everyone's told me Mechtow's trash. You should be running suits, um, and everyone hates their indirect and all these things. And I was like, I'd like to play something different. I own a lot of Tau. We already all know suits are good. Uh, that doesn't need to be tested. That's that's pretty established. Um, so I was like, what if I made a Mechtow list to approach the meta, and I cut all the SMS off that I could? So it has one SMS on the Storm Surge. He's not optional. Um, and it honestly still performed really well. The book's deep. The book's good. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a quick Ganyo story on this. So Team America days. Ganyo's captaining it up. He wants me to go and test this idea that he had for Tao. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just take it to this tournament that I'm going to. And uh, letting you know, it was not very good. I got pummeled. <laughs> and the best part about it was he goes, well, well, at least I don't have to go out and test that in public now. You took care of it. I'm like, I got just smushed. He's like, yeah, but I mean, it's you, so I didn't have to do that. Don't blame the list, just like you don't blame the dice for your own mistakes. <laughs> yeah, it's a broken, Brad. You can't blame either of those things. It was, don't, uh, don't blame Ganyo for your I failure. I just had a bad list. I got smashed. <laughs> I, I did only lose one game. However, in that one game that I lost, I took a vicious pummel. <laughs> just... But I think I think it's interesting to experiment with with uh, with different lists and also just to be cognizant that like every single one of my opponents, like I had some good games, was like very thankful that I was not just spamming suits. And honestly, I think in the current meta, it arguably had some advantages over the suit army. Um so it was interesting. It was wasn't. Sure. I'm not going to say that I just took a bad list and I'm just amazing or something like that. I did good. Tau is a good codex. Almost all the units are priced well. Um, but I think it actually it, it was a solid list. So I wouldn't have taken it if it was super garbage. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this list because in in one there is a lot of merit to taking something that's from a deep codex like Tau and taking something that's off meta because you're. Making it so people aren't don't have that instant response to what they're supposed to do. Everybody knows how they're supposed to play into suits. You know what I mean? You have your oh, you're you're playing cookie cutter. Boom! I know that I'm supposed to do this, this, this. I'm going to block out. I'm going to do this. You bring your list, 
And they're like, oh, I'm not 100% sure what to do with it. And to be honest, we're doing this for BFS right now. I'm pretty sure I've lost my mind completely. I was inspired by Ganyo's <laughs> mech tile. And I literally went, we should counter the meta. And then you go down that rabbit hole, the spiral of, all right, now we're doing only Emperor's Children chaos. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that you know that I know. Exactly. Yeah. Ganyo, tell, me, tell us about your list real quick. All right, so I'll give you a walk down of the list, and I'll give you an idea of the mindset when I had when I was writing it. So it's uh, all Borkan, so it has the uh, Ignore Ambul strat for one gun, uh, plus four-inch range to your guns, um, and strength seven or less ranged weapons are minus one strength when firing suits or battle suits. Uh, Storm Surge doesn't get any of that in an AUX. Um, it can use the strat. Um, Enforcer Commander with uh, Precision of the Hunter, so he's the full rerolls dude. Cyclic, Missile, Plasma, Flamer, and the Flamer is the Super Flamer, and it's a Bagel Hunter armor, um, and two Marker Drones. Uh, two units of four Crude Hounds, um, one unit of ten Crude, uh, two units of three Crisis Suits with just Flamer and Burst, and then Target Lock, Velocity Tracker, and one person has an EWO. Each one is three drones. They're three gun drones. One of them has two and, and a shield drone. That was just because I had four points left. For, for everybody listening on that, that would be an early warning system. For, you just went EWO. They're like, is that like some sort of blood doping? I don't understand. <laughs> That's my EPO. Um, you know, so, and, and, you know, part of it is like, one, it's just, it's a good system, right? It's it's free Overwatch. It's a CP. Right. Um, the, the, the other reason is like, this list has six CP. I didn't include the ethereal. I was also like, everyone hates that guy. I don't think he's actually necessary for the list because the list doesn't need to use too, too many strats. Um, and if you think about that ethereal, right, like you pay two CP to, to deck him out at 85 points, and then I'm including the drones, and then you use that thing five times, you probably fail once, you spent two, I mean, you, you net two CP. Um, I, I don't think he's actually as amazing or necessary as you need, like as, as people think. If you had more bodies, it would make a big difference to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's light on CP, so the EWO is actually the early morning override. It's actually kind of nice because I don't, I don't want to spend CP. I only start with six, and I gain one a turn. Um, then I have a Storm Surge. He has EWO, Pulse Blast Cannon, Twin Flamer, uh, Non-Nair Burst, um, Velocity Tracker, and he um, uh, has an SMS. He's the only one in the army. Then I have a Cold Star Commander with Seeker Perfection. So that's the Borkan thing for an extra AP on all of his guns. And uh, sixes to wound unmodified are immortal, max three per phase. Um, and he has the solid image projection unit. So he has fancy burst, uh, high output burst, um, double flamer, um, and two marker drums. And then uh, three hammerheads and three sky rays, all with accelerator burst cannon. <laughs> <laughs> what does the accelerator burst can even do? That's something I haven't seen a lot of. <laughs> So you don't see him because everyone's like, indirect's amazing. Let's just spam out this indirect. I can just sit behind walls and just pew, pew, pew all game and never have to play. Um, it's So SMS is 5 minus 1, 1, uh, 30 inches, 8 shots for the whole tank. Um, accelerator burst is 8 shots per burst. You have two of them. So you have 16, strength 6, minus 1, 1. And they're 22 inches in Borkan. So you really get an extra strength, which is nice into Harlequins. Um, and you get um, twice the shot. So it, it's actually pretty darn good. And when you think about it, like one of these chassis, you know, it's T7, it's 14 wounds, it's big and beefy. And then on top of that, beyond the main gun, you have 16 strength, six minus one, one shots. That's not nothing. That's pretty solid. Yeah. 
How much of this list revolved around that extra range from Borkin? Um, not a ton, but I will say it is really important. Like, I didn't choose Borkin for the strat. I did use the strat from time to time, but I chose Borkin for the range. Um, part of it was so I definitely don't get as many test games as I used to. And when you were mentioning the importance or the, or the value of sometimes playing an off metal list, um, it's a lot easier to win a game when I'm not walking into a match that someone else has a very well developed strategy for that they know all the pitfalls that I don't. Um, cause I just, I, I ran this list twice before the tournament, um, total. Um, but if we're both winging it, I feel like my odds rise. Um, <laughs> so there's that, um, the, the Borkin range is nice. And I did it partly because I was just a little nervous about how it would actually play out on the battlefield of like, if my tanks would end up stepping all over each other, you know, if, if you, if you just clog up a fire lane, that extra four inches can be really important to actually reach a target. And it can be the difference of like another rank of tanks, not making it. So that I took it for that reason. I will say, I really did like it. It keeps you out of some really awkward charge ranges. If you can just nip 22, most people still have a decent charge to you. That's not just nothing. If you're at 18, most people are coming and smacking it. So. What were the, uh, was I have to ask for it. Was the storm surge and the sky rays more so of a, I painted up some really cool models and they're getting in the list or were they actual decisions that you thought would be good into the meta? So it, it's a bit of both, right? Like I had a converted storm surge, you know it. Um, I repainted everything. I started getting really attached to it. It's like, it's stay on the list. I don't give a I don't give a stay on the list. Um, the sky rays were probably the most questionable thing in the list. I, some, people kept coming up to me and telling me they were listening to the, the podcast that's on the frontline gaming thing that Adam does with uh, Paul and I can't remember the last guy's name. And they're like, they were talking about your list. They were so confused about the sky rays. It made no sense. And I was like, yeah, they're kind of bad. <laughs> um, but so like if you're, if you're pushing a theme like that, so part of the idea was like, it just takes a lot of work to get through the list. Um, and a lot of people in the meta, I know we're all planning for crusher and things like that, but like 145 points for 14 T7 wounds. And when you have six of those, it just gets to be the point that like, it takes people long enough to chew through that you can really win a war of attrition potentially. Um, so I kind of needed more platforms to emphasize that. Arguably, they should have been devil fish with troops. Um, but I decided to just kind of use it. I like the markers on them. The main gun always just sucks because you're not like that gun. Um, it's too random. And even when you hit with it, it's nothing like the hammerhead. So um, you still the have, surge was somewhat more fly. calculated, though. Because it's just more calculated. You're like, I meant to put that in there. <laughs> like the, the sky race, I was like, mm, I guess I got to finish it. Whatever. I'll put these in there. I got points. Um, it fits the numbers well. But the, the storm surge was more like, I would prefer that people shoot at the storm surge because it takes so much effort to get rid of yeah. compared to the tank. So if it takes any heat off the tanks, yay. And people are even more incentivized to go after it because it is my to the last. And I feel like most talents really struggle with secondaries to some degree. Because um, a lot of the top end of the meta right now, like there aren't great secondaries to pick based on their army. And so you end up having to go into, you can't access the psychic one. So you're playing those other categories. So you're forced into some that you don't really love, um, depending on like the, the play style of the mission. To the last, it's just always a really nice one to build in. And it makes it my two commanders and the storm surge. Mm. And so if the storm surge draws fire, it's really nice. The commanders don't get shot. They have tons of tanks tanking for them. Um, and then, you know, the other secondaries were probably where my plan, um, my theory craft fell apart a bit and probably why I took the losses <laughs> or to loss, I guess, just one and almost another. <laughs> well, tell, tell us about this tournament you went to. 
So Battlefront. So this is the first year that they have done it. Um, a guy named JC Watts put it together. Um, I will mess up some of the details. I believe he lost a family member to Alzheimer's, and so he wanted to kind of put on a charity event. They raised over fourteen thousand oh, wow. uh, dollars for charity, which was awesome. Um, a ton. So it was in Westminster, Maryland. They're going to be doing it in future years. Um, they held a table on towers, which is a birdsong store there. Yeah. It is the <laughs> most epically nice store I've probably ever been to. It was a blast. Um, I think he donated the space so that JC could run it there. He donated a ton of prizes, and all the local game stores in the region donated prizes too. So, I mean, there was a ton of prize support. There was silent auctions. There were commission painters that ra- auctioned off like a commission paint job for a model up to X size and multiples of those, you know, donating their time and their money. And that's all the money got raised. It was a blast. Um, they had people donating money to hit other people in the face of pies. <laughs> you know, I showed you the picture of uh, yeah. Vanilla just cranking a pie with his hips in the, in the TJ. Um, the really was, everybody pie. knows that it was actually a frozen pie and TJ's still in the hospital right now. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, a pie may not hurt, but I'm following through with the <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, follow through. Everyone had a had a blast. Um, it ran really well. I mean, this is a, a nice store in a mall. They had a little bit of a split off space just across like the the main area of the mall. So like you see like two storefronts there, um, and they fit fifty tables. Wow. Um, strong. All with with solid terrain. These the Vanguard Tactics terrain, I believe. Um, you know, so there's lots of LOS blocking. That's what for is sure. the Vanguard so, uh, style? What do they they do? Player place? There's a kind of um, where it's a lot of line of sight blocking. Is that, is that set? You have a set that, that moves with the mission, is it not? No. So I, so that may be how Vanguard runs it. I'm not sure, actually. And I was just referring to it because I know they sell the set that was used. Um, but we did player place for this. So you did player place? Okay. Accounts. It was player placed. Um, tables all had, and I cannot remember the exact size of the pieces. It's whatever the Vanguard pieces are. They're like six by nine or, or something like that, maybe a little bit bigger. I mean, Birdsong's um, got some serious terrain there. So, I mean, that's a legit, a legit. So, there were, so per table, there were uh, four small buildings, which have a six by nine footprint, which is not very small for the record. One level, they were all obscuring. Um, then there were two buildings that were bigger than that, that were two or three story, uh, that were uh, line of sight blocking. Um, for the big buildings, they said all windows are closed. For the smaller buildings, they said all windows are all walls are glass. As soon as you're inside of the base, inside of the obscuring, you can be seen. Then there were also two forests, which were like six by nine footprints, and there were two more walls. And if you were on a table that did not have the walls because they ran out because they sold more seats than they thought, uh, you had two more buildings, and it was the big building. So when I played oh, Matei, he had four of these like I don't know, like eight by twelve-ish buildings that were multi-story with all windows closed. And the four buildings that were the smaller ones, and two forests. It was like hard to place it all. And he was just looking at me. And he was just laughing. He was like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah. <laughs> so, before we get into the, what the mission and everything is, let me let me fire off Matei's list real quick. He came up with. I mean, this is a pretty off-metal list. He's running uh, Harlequin's Light. I don't know if you guys have seen him put this put out yet. Shadow Seer, everything you want to have. Mirror Architect, Shadowstone, Troop Master with the Rose, and he's got. One, two, three, four, five units <laughs> of troops. <laughs> exactly. Ah, ah. Four of them have a fusion pistol inside. All of them have a special weapon, so they can pop that. Ignore your invulns. What the hell happened, Strat? Then we've got a death jester with I automatically get at least four hits on you. <laughs> that guy's pretty good. And the explosions, of course. 
Solitaire, and then of course the nine Void Weavers that automatically enters your list as soon as you open up Battle Scribe, yep. and then four Star Weaver boats for exactly two thousand points. Now this is a pretty, pretty standard, pretty gross Harlequins list. Probably the reason that we're having the uh, well by by the time this releases, it'll already be out. So, but there is a balance sheet coming out because of this, because of the fact that GW folk were at Adepticon and looked at the boards <laughs> and went. I don't know what's happening, but I don't want this to happen. <laughs> so tell us about the the mission and your secondary choices and his secondary choices, if you remember them. Yeah, I'll do a, I, I kept the score sheet. So I'll do a quick shout out to um, one. So the the Harlequins were in full steam here. So this is for 97 people. We had three undefeated. I, it may have all been Harlequins. One of them may have been Matt Lore with Altway. Um, and two of them were Anthony's. Zach was there who won a Decticon with, with the same list. <laughs> Um, so it was uh, it was a murderer's row of folks. Um, I, so and I'll well, just, you guys didn't go real far. Your your top ten was literally Harlequins, Harlequins, Uthway, Harlequins, Harlequins, Custodes, Nids, Nids, Harlequins, Custodes. You're like, if you're not one of these books, I don't think you should show up for this turn. <laughs> I think I think I was 14 the Dow after the last day. So uh, and my my shout out before I go to list, Matei was. Potentially the nicest person I've ever played in 40k, and I've been playing it for a long time. Like he was so nice. Um, he was a gentleman the entire game. Uh, even at one point on turn one, when I was firing back with my significantly reduced army, and fired the wrong sky ray that got no benefit from the marker light before the sky ray that was towed into the forest, who had a benefit from the marker light. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I did this, man. I just fired the wrong sky ray at you. I was like, that's on me, I'm done. And he just kind of looked at me in the eyes and was like, shifted the marker light over. He's like, it's a game. Fire the one. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to. And he was like, I don't care. So uh, that's, uh, he was that's seriously a nice dude. So so shout out. He's a, he's a good guy. Um, so the mission. So the mission was, let me look up the one. I think it was Recover the Relics. Um, yeah, it was Recover the Relics. So that's Hammer Nanable Deployment. It's also uh, a little bit, it's defensive too, because it's the one where we have all three in each player's side. So, yeah, it's in the side, but like your deployment zone, you can't, you can't quite get to the, to the middle ones. But yeah, it, it's definitely fairly defensive. Um, so, this, I think, one thing I'll go into before I get into the mission too much is like, you're going to play as you practice. And I had only done one game against this, and I don't think the person had the same strategy. And so they, uh, played more passively against me. And so that kind of really fed into how I was very surprised turn one when Matei did not play passively. <laughs> um, so I took to the last banners. That one sucked. And bring it down because <laughs> I was like, you got 14 vehicles, I'll get points for coming to play, right? Uh, he took... Uh, Foreshadowing things we'll be talking about in episode part two of this episode. <laughs> Mental interrogation, banners, and bring it down. And the final score uh, was 94 to 73. Um, 73 is good. And I will say at the end, an enforcer commander with two drones that was not touched. And like one other thing, and I think he had either one troop model or two troop models in separate units. And that was it. So it was partially me digging out, but I'll say the rest of this. Um, I think that goes a lot to show, uh, one, the advantage of, of going first and having a better game plan than me. But two, and going first, not being impactful from a killing perspective or from a board control perspective. And then two, picking much better secondaries than me. Um, 
And and I think that is is the biggest pitfall I had in this game. I, I wasn't expecting it. So uh, do you want me to to launch into a recap of the game a bit, or it gives kind of the bird's eye view on it? Yeah, definitely. Gondor so, just took a drink. I'll give you the play by play on it. I mean, it was crazy though. I can't believe anybody can drink that much gin <laughs> casually. Yeah, whoa, <laughs> that much lacroix. Um, yeah. So essentially, you know, we set up the train. We each kind of in the build fighting six Taotangs and a storm surge too easily. Um, I put a forest kind of central in my zone to come out of the fire lanes um, so that I was thinking if this is going to be a standoffish match, we're going to pick at each other for a couple turns before we really engage. You know, I'm going to park in the forest with my tanks and fire out. That way I'll get the minus one, you know, kind of be a little Harley myself. Um, he kind of had a similar setup. His forest was a little further back, minus towards the front of my buildings because I wanted to kind of stage a little more forward. Because if I go further back, I'm going to get blocked by obscuring. Um, we're both set up. Um, he has a redeploy. I didn't. I didn't put Kai on this army. Um, he won first turn. Um, now, as I mentioned, you know, we both took banners. Um, in his first turn, uh, he basically moved his entire army into my deployment zone. Yeah. Or, or just in front of it. So that forest that I set up to help myself, um, turns out... Uh, he was of the tree people, and he moved up <laughs> and just hopped into that forest with all of his fucking boats. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> So he comes up, he drops off troops on the way for the couple objectives that matter. He chucks up banners on all of his three on his side. Um, he's on, so I had advanced some crewed up uh, to grab my objectives, because this is the one where you get a CP uh, at the start of your first turn. If you're on the midfield objectives, I had scouting, he didn't. Um, I did not have scouting by the time it was my turn, so he fixed that. Um, and he came up and just went full pressure. Now, this is the point when, like, after he went full pressure and I just looked at the banners, and he hadn't even gotten to a shooting phase wet, I went, I think I lost this game. <laughs> it was like, I, I think I really lost this game. Because, you know, Harlequins are such, like, a muscly army. Like, they've just got a lot of value. They're really defensive. They've got a lot of output. Um, if you dig out of them, which is a big F, um, it's going to take you most of the game. And if it takes you most of the game, then he spent most of the game scoring, maxing primary while I get nothing, maxing banners while I get nothing, and me just sitting there going, oh, oh my banners. That's a, that was a bad choice. I could have picked uh, literally anything else, and that would have been pretty great. Um, so banners for me, I will say, definitely should have been not that. Um, I probably would have taken... I mean, I still had Strangle. Even Strangle would have been better to just steal some objectives because we were pressuring each other. Um, I probably would have taken Engage in hindsight or I would have taken something like Line Breaker because I can pull stuff over. Um, there were plays I had that I just did not make as, as like on, on secondary choices and deployment. So that was on me. Um, were there any tactical moments during the game or anything like that where you thought, man, I should have done that different? Yeah, I mean, I thought the game was was super back and forth. Um, so he came out the first turn. I want to say he killed three and a half tanks, two hammerheads, a sky ray, and a half of another sky ray. So that was that was unpleasant. Um, unpleasant. It was, it was not my favorite thing in the world, and I think he even felt a little bad. Um, so he has nine void weavers now in a forest right in front of me, and like uh, some boats around the sides and other objectives. Um, and I don't think he expected. Even he even said at the end of my turn one, he was like, at the end of your turn one, I was like. What just happened? Because um, I killed five and a half boats, uh, five and a half voids. Um, and if you think about it, I think I think one people think Mechtau equals bad. Um, Light Harley's equal good. It's all fair. Um, 
and they don't really think of the output. But if you actually go into the list, like a storm surge should dunk at least one void on its own, if not more. You put it has a velocity tracker, you get marker light easily. You're probably hitting on fours then. If someone rushes you, you're within the 12 inches. You know, when you put ignore invuls on the big gun, um, plus all the little guns, you get like a void and a half. You can you can skew higher, but usually that's about what you get. Uh, if three hammerheads, I have one, obviously. Um, it aced one, you know, hits on a four. You hit on a four, you basically you get a tank and a half. Yeah. Um, each commander will do about a tank. Um, the precision guy will do less usually. Um, the seeker perfection dude will do more because of the flamers. The flamers get your hits, which trigger your sixes for mortals. Um, so that guy will get a tank. Sky rays, those those burst cannons will help finish up tanks. Like you average like five or six tanks. It's a lot for voids. Um, and once you kill that many, their ability to kill back is is much reduced, right? Um, so that was kind of the play. I killed like five on my turn. He came back into me. Um, he got at the last of the tanks. They all fucking died. <laughs> Uh, I may have had one left in turn, like limping along, and I was like, I have a wound. Uh, <laughs> I'm an active soul. Uh, I had a Skyrim blow up, which did some wounds to my commander. I think that one of the cool tactical moments was I, you know, you kind of end up in that beginning of the game, you have expectations, uh, and then someone just upends it, and you're like, I think I lost this game. We're about 20 minutes in. I think I lost. Uh, <laughs> the force placement was terrible, the executor is terrible. And then I kind of just take a step back, right? Because like you've made the decisions that you've made. You are where you are. So you might as well just try to figure out how to problem solve from what your current game state is. Because there's no point in problem solving from I shouldn't have taken banners because you can't change that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're not looking, and then you can rewrite it. Um so essentially I decided to like think about that for a second and I took the cold star, which I actually really like this play. I took the cold star, ported it to his backfield. Um because if I killed off his two troops in his backfield, um, and it's the seeker dude, you know, uh, the pressure in my front was kind of reduced. You know, it just it's hard for them to actually kill the storm surge. It takes him like three full turns with the voids, and he doesn't have any voids anymore. So with the cold start jumping to the backfield and digging out the troops, I could start flipping the game around. You know, if I take out two troop units now, set now he has to send something back if he doesn't want to start losing a bunch of primary points. Um, I'm knocking down his banners right. He, he can't let that happen. Unfortunately, exploding. Uh, by the way, they explode for D6, if you weren't aware. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he went back there with three wounds. And unfortunately, he was able to turn around just like one tank. And I filled four saves. And was like, well, I'll pick you up for you. It was to Sherfins, to Sherfin cannons. Um, but I killed, you know, uh, five. I killed all of one troop unit. I killed all but one, unfortunately, of the last unit, um, which was one of the survivors in the game. But I think if I could have gotten those or made the charge into the, or the remaining guy, I think it actually may have put him in a really, really awkward spot. He also, uh, two of his boats that turn, this is my turn two, my turn two. Uh, two of his boats survived on one wound each. Because I was, you know, when you're down a lot, you start making slightly greedy plays. Because if you keep playing, just like, can they, you have to go for some. And that's why a lot of the big games, I think, frequently turn into a bit of a landslide. Is that if you know you're going to lose playing as you are, like you're already very down. You have to start making larger Hail Mary passes if you want to try and win. Unless you've decided that you just can't even do that and you're just like, let me just maximize. And that's why like I got greedy and split fired um, and left two tanks on one. So, so that was a great play. 
So you were in this thing till the end. I mean, you scored 73. That's still really good. I mean, the difference is banners, it sounds like. Um, from the, I scored two on banners. Two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the missions, the missions actually a hard mission because the the Harlequins can zoom up and just basically as soon as he took banners, that's effectively saying, "Well, go ahead and play aggressive and take those banners down, and they're never going back up." Yeah, and I should have thought of that honestly. Um, I think the, the banners were a big mistake. I think it could have gotten secondary that it could have gotten a ten on that would have given me eight points. Um, you know, to the last, I still like the choice. Um, if I just wouldn't have had that tank explode, you know, just, I have six tanks. One of them's going to explode, right? So that's, it's not like it's insane. Um, if I wouldn't have had an explode and do so much of that commander and that commander would have went back there with more like full health, that play would have worked a lot better. Um, but you know, there was a lot of dice rolls that could have just went either on very few games that I can say like, that was just dice. That was idiotic, right? <laughs> very few though. This one, like if that one turned two, if I would have killed both those troop units, now we lose those primary points. And that cold star wouldn't have gotten wounded by an exploding tank so badly. Um, and I don't leave those two tanks on one wound. It could probably win that game um, undeservedly because I played it very poorly off the start. Right? <laughs> um, now, all of those things were normal to happen, right? It wasn't like yeah. any of those were wild. But you could you know, have spiked one way or the other. Yeah. It can be like a dice roll could have changed it. Then yeah. we're in the game. Yeah. Yeah, you make you make good decisions, and you you left it in the hands of like some odds that were a little bit favorable for yourself if you if you got them. So, makes sense. I have one question for you here, Ganyo. Um, over the course of the weekend, what was your MVP, and what's on chopping block? I hate everything about you now. MVP and chopping block. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna steal my question, question, I don't think you should try. Chocolate is. It's I love that we're question. I love that we're asking it in the part one now. That's how bad we're stealing it. It's just part one. You, you gotta you gotta take you gotta take the element of surprise. But I'm gonna say MVP. Please ask the question correctly. What unit was the MVP over the weekend, and what units on the chopping block? That's what I said. It is what he said. Absolutely. You shouldn't steal his question. I liked it his way. God. I'm <laughs> feeling. <laughs> uh, like, MVP of the weekend, um, I think I'm going to go with the Cold Star Commander. You know, the tanks, I'll say in most of my games, the, the tanks got destroyed, right? My Custodes match, he brought all of his salvos up, which was only seven for the record, and killed three and a half. Just went ham on all of them. Um, I don't even know how that happens. Hmm. Um, so, and then I whiffed twice on my turn, and then he killed them, right? So, like, they didn't shoot at all. The second Harlequin match wasn't too wildly different. But I will say, even in dying, um, they gave a lot of value, right? Because when an army rushes you to be that aggressive, and they're like, I blew up three tanks, you're like, that sucks. And then you think about it, and you're like, they're really out of position right now. You have a chance to strike back. And those three tanks are like 450. It's actually not yeah. super awful. Um, Cold Star Commander, I with Seeker Perfection, I had never played it. Every time I wrote a towel list, I'd write a towel list and be like, Precision Commander, full rerolls. That guy's my man. Um, he's awesome. Gotta take him. Mm. I guess I could get that second commander, Borkan, but he's just he's just a worse precision commander. Um, he was better in every game, that precision commander. Uh, that guy's my boy. Um, being able to put on three mortals consistently, amazing. Jumping to backfields, amazing. Um, since I'm, Part of this is I'm not running almost any crisis. It's like it out. Um, and that meant that I didn't really need like the crisis buffs or anything else. The Cold Star is the best like solo output guy. Um, 
he was just he was really good every game he was really consistent he did a bunch of damage um i liked him a lot chopping block storm surge is really pretty so i'm not going to cut him um <laughs> he didn't do a whole lot though nice. um he didn't even attract the firepower that i was looking for him to track <laughs> but he's, like, he's hard to kill screw him. those tanks are easy um I think if I had to say it, the crisis suits are the chopping block because I kind of want to push the mech theme further. Um, and the sky, rays. The, the sky rays are there because I wanted more tanks. Uh, their main gun blows. I hate that thing. Um, you do know the devilfish exist, right? Yeah, and I think <laughs> I'm going to push the devilfish. The difference is like whenever I get a devilfish, I think I need to be open to running some empty ones. Whenever I get a devilfish, I go, I have to buy a unit for it. Now it's 170 or 180. Nah. But you know, I'm gonna take my devilfish with gun drones, so uh, they're gonna have plenty of shots. They're gonna have 16 shots, just like these other tanks. Well, you could Rolling take a ton uh, of dice makes me happy. You could take the pathfinders with the ions, put them in there, really, really pump that Borkin theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I, I will say the whole list functioned pretty well. MVP is definitely the cold star for me because I really didn't expect him to be good. I've actually avoided playing Borkin a lot because I've been like, ah, the only thing I get from Borkin is a dumb strat you shouldn't be using. And then a second commander that you got the first one. Why didn't even need him? Precision commander was probably my most underrated guy. I'm going to switch him to a gold star if I keep him. Um, nice. I think it's partly because I was avoiding increased weapon costs. Um, and I had grand plans of strategies with those crisis suit units that I took. And uh, <laughs> it, they worked out occasionally, you know, doing like a your OPSEC. Now I'm going to eat you 18 inches. You're still going to fire pretty well. I can split you if I want you to. Um, to get engaged in both quarters because there's three drones. Like, there was a lot of crazy plays, big brain stuff there that I literally didn't came <laughs> up. Um, so, I think the Enforcer guy partly suffered from like Ganyo being cheap, <gasps> surprise, and uh, running like a hodgepodge of guns. So, he never really felt great into a lot of stuff. I think that was my fault. Well, cool, man. Thanks for joining us, man. Your list is awesome. I'm real excited to hear about the rest in part two. The Brad hour, the Brad knee, the mad Brad chat time after hours. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, so look, you'll look forward to that, man. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you in part two. Sweet. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out our other podcast. We have the Art of War Vanilla now with Nicholas Natavati and Paul Murphy. We also have the Art of War, very American, sort of Australia now. Down Under, with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are the Auto War Pistachio, the flavor you didn't know you liked till you tried us. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.